To love beyond boundaries is the most radical of acts. It also requires optimism. Richard Loving must have followed the light of his surname. In news clips, he didn't smile much, perhaps because his teeth were irregular. He didn't look the part of an ardent integrator. His buzz cut, rugged face, and tobacco-scarred southern accent marked him as a white-working rule man of simple means and taste. Like many Southerners, loving new people of color, but his relations with them were more intimate than most whites were willing to countenance. His father worked on a farm for a prosperous man of color, and his parents' home was down in the community where all the Indians lived, according to a resident. Loving and friends would gather at a favorite bend in the road or at the back of a general store. They had turned into a juke joint. Someone would bring a guitar or a fiddle, and this motley crew would play music and hang out together. They were black, white, racially ambiguous, high, yellow, or Indian, depending on the perspective of who was observing and who was claiming labels. Their crossing of color lines irritated the county sheriff, who literally was the race police, and tried to break up their fun. Loving was perhaps the most culturally dexterous among this group. He could blend in with anybody, people said. He was playful and lived the life he wanted, loved the red-brown girl he wanted, drag race cars with his high yellow friends. In the 1950s in Central Point, Virginia, a hamlet with a penchant for race mixing, he and others willfully defied the old Jim Crow. Mildred Jeter Loving accorded with Central Casting. In a documentary about the couple and the Supreme Court case that she and her husband brought 50 years ago, she played herself better than any actress could. She was dignified, slender and pretty, with a quiet voice that made people lean in to hear her. Richard called her Bean, short for String Bean. She dressed like the housewife that she was. Her short, bobbed hair was fuzzy at the roots, but ended in shiny curls that betrayed either her complicated lineage or the pressing comb. She appeared to be a Negro or colored, words then used to describe African Americans, although as this book later describes, she identified herself as a descendant of an indigenous nation rather than slaves. In 1958, Mildred and Richard were arrested and jailed for the felony crime of marrying. Virginia was among 16 states in that era, still sufficiently obsessed with the purity of its white citizens' bloodlines to ban whites from marrying non-whites, with varying definitions for who could claim whiteness. From 1661 until the Supreme Court ruled against such measures in the Loving case, 41 states had enacted statutes that penalized interracial marriages. Every state with such laws discouraged or prohibited whites from marrying blacks, but many statutes also named other groups that could not intermarry with whites. Chinese, Japanese, Filipinos, American Indians, Native Hawaiians, and South Asians, among others. 
There were legal bans and there were social ones. Marrying, loving, and having sex across lines of phenotype were not considered normal or acceptable among most people in pre-civil rights America. In 1958, only 4% of Americans approved of marriages between blacks and whites. On June 12, 1967, the Supreme Court sided with the Lovings. The Civil Rights Revolution had roiled from a Woolsworth lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina, to a thousand similar nonviolent protests in over 100 southern cities, resulting in over 20,000 arrests. When Police Commissioner Bull Connor turned water hoses and attack dogs on child protesters in Birmingham, Alabama, people of goodwill supported the protesters, as did moderate Republicans in Congress.